in talking about the power of a good story, someone once said, once upon a time there was what there was, and if nothing had happened, there would be nothing to tell. Now, sisters and brothers, you and I are here this morning because we believe something happened today. We believe that something happened to demonstrate the power and the love of God. We believe that something happened that changed history. We believe that something happened to transform these fearful and scattered disciples into world-changing witnesses. We are here this morning, sisters and brothers, because we believe something has happened. Now, if we're trying to discuss the what of what has happened, we, for us, it's funny, we go to our Bible and we put one of our four gospel testimonies. We either look at the gospel according to Matthew, to Mark, Luke, or everybody's favorite, the book of John. Very good. And what's interesting is that each one of those accounts is different about what happened exactly. They all center around the same thing that happened. They all center around the power and the love of God. But how things went down that morning, what happened with the disciples and others there, they all tell a bit of a different story. And, well, you know how we are. Remember when we were in grade school, they wanted to try to prove a point. So we would tell Miss Irene part of the story, and then she would tell Delise part of the story, and Delise would tell John. John would go on. And by the time we got to uh, Brian over here, his story would look so much different from Irene's story, right? We're just kind of like that, aren't we? In the four Gospels, we have these different accounts of what happened, and they aren't telling a different story, but what they are telling what matters to them about what happened. And in thinking about that, when we think about the gospel according to Matthew this morning, what we had read, the passage from Matthew describing resurrection morning, there's something I like about his account. There's something I like about the way he paints the picture. He says that Mary and Mary had gone to see the tomb. Others have told us that they were going to take care of Jesus' body. Others told us that they were fearful about what might happen. Others told us that they were worried. Or who in the world is going to move this big rock in front of the tomb? But Matthew simply says, they went to see the tomb. They didn't have to worry about who was going to move the big rock because as they're there, the earth begins to shake, an earthquake happens, and an angel appears. And this ain't no itty-bitty those little naked babies, everybody puts on their walls and their houses. Guys, stop doing that, please. That ain't cute. This ain't one of them angels. This is an angel's angel. Appears out of nowhere and he pushes this big rock out of the way and then he sits. I love that. I went on a spiritual retreat one time and I was introduced to probably the biggest man I've ever seen in my life. This guy was, I think, 6'4", maybe 6'5", about 335 pounds. I remember looking at this man thinking, I do not want to make him mad. <laughs> and talking to some of the other people who were there, they said, oh, you have to worry about him. He's a big old teddy bear. And plus, you know how it goes, when you're that big, you don't have to be mean. 
And it seems to me as if this angel appears out of nowhere, shows up and he just moves his rock and sits on it. To me, he doesn't have to say anything else. He could just sit there on that rock. I, I want you to understand how much, how much irony is in that. You see, this rock was put there on purpose. This rock was put there to tell these disciples to stop. This rock was put there to tell the world it's over. Tell the world that we've won. This angel just moves it over and sits on it. You got to love that, y'all. You got to see it. This rock represented death. This rock represented everything against Jesus, everything against God. This rock represented defeat, represented the end of Jesus' life and ministry, represented the end of the disciples' ministry as well. And here this angel says, I got this, don't worry. Come have a seat next to me. That's kind of the faith we live into, right? That's kind of what we come here to celebrate, that that rock that was in the way of God's life for us, that rock that was in the way of our hope, that rock that would seem to tell everybody else it's over, it's been pushed aside. It really wasn't that big a deal with God. Y'all with me? You sure are quiet this morning. To me, that angel didn't have to say anything. He could have just sat there. We could have finished the story, and I'd have been okay with that. But you know what? The angel did say something, didn't he? Do you remember what the first thing he said was? Do not be Now, it's been said that that phrase, do not be afraid, shows up throughout Scripture 365 times. Now, don't quote me on me believing that 100% because it depends on what versions, things like that. But if it's 364, I'm okay with that. The point is, God's message gets told to us again and again. And what do they say that... uh, It takes us seven times to hear something before it finally registers. What about 365 times, y'all? Do not be... You see, I want you to understand that before the He is risen, before the Alleluia, before the go tell it on a mountain and any other thing, before any of that, the message was, do not be... The angel says, this is my message to you. You don't believe me? Come in and see where he was. You were worried. You were fearful. But do not be afraid. You know, God has repeated something like that so many times. It kind of makes me wonder if God knew something about us. What do you think? You think God knows something about us? That we've got to hear that over and over and over again. Did any of you have, have kids ever get told, don't make me tell you again? 